We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Tuesday afternoon. It's January 16th. We have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune uh, here with us today. And amongst other things, I'm sure we'll get into. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Wolves defense at the halfway point. I know, you know, we talked about the defense so much. We are just about 41 games into the season and the Wolves are the number one defense by a mile. And I think that in and of itself is something to dig into a, a little bit more how dominant they've been compared to the rest of the league. Uh, Chris also wrote um, a, a good piece on, on Anthony Edwards's free throw volume going up. Uh, talk to Ant about it. Talk to Chris Finch about it. Talk to Chris Hines. Uh, Ant's with an S. With, with an S. It's very confusing when I'm reading those. Yes. Uh, or probably more confusing for others when they're reading those. Uh, I do want to talk about that. I've been kind of, I knew you were working on that piece, Chris. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of holding off on even mentioning that Ant's yeah. free throw volume is up as much as it has been. And I also kind of wanted to see if it would stay. Uh, so we'll get into that. And then um, Chris and I have done, uh, honestly, a lot of talk with Chris in particular about how difficult that schedule stretch stretching the schedule was uh, the previous month because Chris was on the road traveling with them, feeling some of the pains of travel <laughs> himself, but also, you know, yeah. noticing uh, things in the locker room as well of, you know, showing some fatigue or whatever. It yeah. really switches on a dime here. And uh, I don't know, this, this upcoming stretch is significantly easier, which kind of comes with its own questions of, uh, you know, in and of itself there. But Chris, you are in Detroit. How's Detroit? How are you? Detroit is just as cold as Minneapolis is. And the the water's freezing over. And I do see Lions jerseys everywhere. Uh, Yeah, On the statues downtown here (laughs) and things like that. That's cool. It's football fever here in in Detroit. I got a prize picks ad spot I got to get to later, which Mm -hmm. I'm saving asking you about how you feel about the 49ers <laughs> matchup against the Packers for, but I am, mm-hmm. I literally have 49ers ones picked out. So I'm going to, <laughs> Can't I'm wait going to, to ask into you. that. Yes, <laughs> actually. Um, but let's, uh, let's start by talking about the, the Wolves defense before we hit record. We were talking about this uh, a little bit too. I started doing the thing like, all right, you know, 39 games into the season, we're about at the halfway point, just started doing, looking at some of that stuff you know where are they in the the key markers and i don't know if i just hadn't really noticed what number two was in defense in a while like hadn't looked at the number yeah of what number two was uh, but the wolves defensive rating um which is points allowed per 100 possessions the kind of the best way to rank defenses that we have um their defensive rating is 108.8 and normally, in all these ratings, Chris, as you know, is it's like the team right behind the team who's in first. It's like 0.3 behind them. That's how it normally looks. And you're right. still like, yeah, hey, they're the best. They're number one. The Wolves are at 108.8, and the Celtics are at 111.8. That's 
That is a three points per 100 possessions difference, Yep, which is massive. Like, yep. and if you're not somebody, not, not you, I know you are, but listening, <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't follow like this stuff closely, that is Correct. massive. That is and huge. I think that's a topic, Chris, like this hasn't just been the number one defense in the NBA. This has been the most dominant defense in the NBA by a wide margin. And obviously they're coming off that Clippers game, which is one of the the best or better defensive performances of the year. And it makes you think about like, okay, why we, we know, we know the go bear element of this elevates your defense to top 10 status. Right. But what is making them not just number one, but, uh, Number one with some separation there. Number one, number one with a bullet, as we with say, a in bullet the, in the yeah. chart watching world. Yes. That's interesting, though, right? Yes. How big yeah. that 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 gap is. We should yeah. be giving just, that just more. Just looking, credit. yeah, just looking at that. Like the gap between the Wolves and Boston is the same as the gap between like Boston and I think the team just the Lakers at it here. Like, the, Lakers the Lakers at fourteen. We're fourteenth, right? Yeah. So it's the difference between two and fourteen. That's, That's the difference between one and two. And you're using the cleaning the glass numbers, which factors out garbage time. Yeah. So these are the the minutes that that matter. Um, look, look, I think I think obviously we've talked a lot about Rudy. We've talked a lot about his willingness to guard the perimeter. You and Britt uh, handled that pretty well on Monday, as it related to the Clippers game. Um, to me, it's it's all the other things, yeah, that are outside of the half court uh, defense. Rebounding is related to the half court defense, but. Like, they're better in transition. I mean, and they're better at rebounding this year. Yep. And those two things improved. They're not, you know, they're not excelling, mm -hmm. um, but they're better than they were a year ago. And because of that, they're able to get into half court defense more often. They they are ending more possessions after one miss. Yep. You put all that together, and if that's the number and that's and that's what you come up with because they are so much better that you know the defensive rebounding percentage which is always the number i've harped on with this team for the last two years as regular listeners will know i bring it up often they're currently ninth in yeah. defensive rebounding percentage um that's really good especially compared to where they were sure. the last couple of years here um specifically last year mm -hmm. so Everything else, all the other little ancillary things, ways that teams could hurt them outside of the half-court uh, defense, which is getting second shots, getting out in transition for easy buckets. They have really limited and really worked on. And it's and once you get into a half-court setting with these guys, I like their chances against anybody in the league, really. Elite, many, dude. Yeah, 100%. The, the average half-court defensive rating in the NBA is 99.0, which means about a point scored per possession, right? Yeah. Um, the Wolves defensive rating when it is in the half court and it's not transition is 91.9. And they play in the half court often because they keep teams out of transition, yep. which again, what were we talking about at this point last year, right? Oh my gosh. Transition. They're getting defense. run off the floor. They can't Towns, rebound. Yep. Yep. It was in, in the minutes when Towns and Gobert were on the floor together last season, which was limited to 28 games or whatever it was, um, mm -hmm. they were allowing transition opportunities at the equivalent of the second highest frequency. It was like at the level of Detroit and like Utah, actually really big teams. Yeah. And that's, you're like, okay, I guess this kind of makes sense. Like this is par for the course. If you go with two bigs, two slower bigs, like you just get, run in transition a little bit that was such a theme last year and you know to be honest i feel like i i we haven't talked enough about how much less that is happening they allowed the fourth fewest trans have allowed transition at the fourth lowest frequency in the nba this season while having townsend gobert on the floor for you know 20 minutes a night together right and right. and doing that i mean that is a massive accomplishment or a massive change from this year or from last season to this season to to make you know to, to make that number be as though it's it's 13.5 percent of possessions that they are allowing yeah. opponents to get out in transition last year the team that allowed transition opportunities at the lowest rate in the league was oklahoma city and they were at 13.5 percent that is 
to go from when you got Cat and Gobert being the team that gets run more than almost anyone in the league to now being the team that is doing it at an elite level. And I looked it up. It's not like it's not like the Cat and Rudy lineups get run. They're 13.6, and the team as a whole is 13.5. Yeah. Teams get out in transition at the same low rate if Cat and Rudy are on the floor um, or if they're not. One of them are, both of them are off, whatever. It's it's all the same. They don't allow it to happen. Chris Finch has uh, intimated to us that, you know, Corliss Williamson, the addition to the uh, to the Wolves coaching staff this season, was hired and his main two areas of focus, in addition to working with Carl individually, mm-hmm. are transition getting back in transition defense and defensive rebounding and i like not to give 100 percent of that credit to corliss williamson but to give credit to the organization for recognizing that as a weakness tim conley chris finch whoever and being like we need to get a guy that we can trust can get that message across and i don't we don't see that message uh, how that works with corliss williamson but we know as a point of emphasis we know he's been working with the bigs and the bigs and the team as a whole have been playing transition defense and rebounding at a significantly higher clip. And that that's the gap. That's the gap. Yeah. That's why it's 108-8 versus 111-8. So mm-hmm. for sure, credit, credit due there. It, and it's not like, you know, we've heard Finch talk a lot about, well, we need to do the things that big teams should do. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is, is crashing the offensive glass. They're not rebounding offensively at like mm-hmm. a high rate they're still like in the 20s overall in terms of offensive rebounding percentage so they're not like getting a high volume of mm-hmm. of their misses on the offensive end so uh, to me it's maybe maybe there is a little bit of that where they are at least maybe making an effort mm-hmm. to crash a little more but honestly to me it's just being more intentional about getting back and and making sure, you know, somebody's got the ball, somebody's, mm-hmm. you know, enough guys are back to just prevent all this from happening and force teams into into a half-court setting. Uh, as for the rebounding, uh, it's uh, the defensive rebounding itself, just anecdotally from watching, they're still, they don't, they still don't really box out as much <laughs> as, like, you, you would like them to. I, you, you still see, like, times where, like, you know, a Terrence man comes flying in mm-hmm. um, and grabs an offensive rebound. It's like, what the hell? Like, why didn't anybody put a body on him? That yeah. still happens a couple, sure. a couple times a game, maybe more than it should. But overall, I, and I, I especially think you see it from Ant. Um, Ant's really, I think, made a made an effort to to get up and get more rebounds. Rudy's having a great rebounding year. I think Carl is having a really good rebounding I year. Um, you know, he may not be, he may not be having the numbers. As, as when but it's Rudy like, wasn't here, but I feel like, like Carl's done a really ones. good. Right, I feel like Carl's done a really good job this year of of rebounding or at least occupying space mm-hmm. um, to allow others to maybe get a rebound because he's in there as well. So I, I think overall they're doing a, a good job uh, team rebounding, um, no matter who's getting it. And I think it, it's paying it's paying dividends. Like that was those were the things. Those were the areas that. You could point to and say, if we just clean this up, they knew they were good in the half court defense yeah, last year. They were that much they knew. That's why they were tenth mm-hmm. um, overall. But you just improve on the marg on these margins a little bit, and look what happens. You know, it's it's it, it's not it's not a huge mystery why they're they're number one in, in mm-hmm. defense right now. Everything's just kind of coming together. Whether it be Rudy's Rudy feeling better physically, feeling more comfortable in their scheme, mm-hmm. um, you know. Carl guarding as well as he can in this scheme. Um, you know, Jaden's back and, and seemingly playing like he normally does. Like it's all just kind of come together and they've made those improvements. So yes, number one defense mm-hmm. in the league by, by a, a healthy margin. Yeah. It, it's interesting when you bring up the offensive rebounds, you don't have to go too far into this, but mm-hmm. you wonder if you look, you know, you look at these numbers if you're Chris Finch or mm-hmm. you know the Wolves coaching staff and you go, all right. We're uh, we're actually getting back pretty good, yeah. you know. Halfway through the season, like, do we start sending more to the offensive glass? You know, because yeah. that's a way to juice the offense a little bit. When you're like, this is only one side of the page. When you're looking at the numbers at the halfway point of the season, the other side of the page is like, you're still a below average offensive team, and we know they're trying to find different ways to you know boost that up, as we'll talk about with getting to the free throw line and some other things that they've been doing. 
that would be a way. It would be a little bit of a risk, right? Like, right. Um, do you send, you know, because it's normally Rudy. Like, Carl's, you know, Carl's in there. He's going to the offensive glass. Do you start sending Carl? Do you start Rudy's in there. Rudy's pretty much in there regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, Rudy's always going to be trying offensive rebound. It's just a matter of who else is in there as well. And usually Carl is in there. I, I, I don't think they usually send three. Like that's mm. I, like you, it's usually kind of just rooting and maybe Carl, yeah. um, and then the other three are concentrating on getting back, yeah. which is which is fine and it's, it's working. Like, it's working, right? Yeah, right. and and like I don't want to do the thing where I'm like, well, now after we were like, <laughs> no transition defense, transition defense, <laughs> mm-hmm. be like, no, no, now let that go to go get more offensive mm-hmm. rebounds. But it's I'm sure that's something they're weighing. I think Finch has uh, alluded to that a, a few times when we've talked about like matchup specific. Uh, going to the glass a little bit more offensively. We'll see. I think it's an option, yeah. an opportunity to look, get a little bit more offense comes with a little bit of risk. Uh, the, the other thing, I just just rewatching some of the, the Clippers game, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is good. <laughs> You're like, this is good defense. <laughs> the shots are all difficult to take. Right. What is, right. you know, what, like, what, what is it? Why does this Clippers game feel like? some of those dominant defensive performances at the beginning of the season. And, and I was thinking about that and just like watching the clips of the defense, they, when they are attached, when they stay attached, like so much of the defense is Rudy, but if you can stay attached to your man around a screen, you know, under a screen, whatever the in transition matching up to you, man, can you stay attached to your man? So as when it gets to Rudy, you're, filtering it there and i think when the when the defense has lapsed this season which hasn't done that much but there's just been a little bit more of that separation and i'm re-watching the clips from hardened attacks Kawhi, paul george whatever and kyle anderson Jaden mcdaniels anthony edwards Nikhil alexander walker are staying attached and i think that's hard right that's it's a hard thing to do for 48 minutes but when you don't mm-hmm. it can't yeah rudy's still there but it becomes a different proposition for Rudy. Like Rudy can get up to block those mid-range shots when he knows Kyle Anderson is there on the guy's hip or like right in right. the rear mirror. You, you don't want to give the you don't want to give the ball handler more room to operate in and around Rudy. Like, and they're just yeah, yeah. that's when they're elite. They're doing that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's really encouraging to be like. Actually, when I think about that happening, I think about it happening against the Celtics. I think about it happening against the Clippers. I think about that first Oklahoma City matchup felt a lot like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's not like this pursuit and this staying attachedness is a product of the opponent being mediocre or bad. It's they can and have shown that they can do this against great offenses in the regular season, which doesn't guarantee that they can do it in the playoffs, but it helps you believe that they can. And just watching that and being like, there isn't really like a guy if they swing, swing, and now it's in Paul George and he has so-and-so guarding him. You're not super concerned about it. And I think that's a credit to guys like Ant kind of turning that up a little bit more. Uh, Jaden maintaining, Nikhil maintaining, Kyle Anderson always being good at that. And even some of the, you know, fringe guys like Jordan McLaughlin small, he stays attached. Like, Mm-hmm. I, you see that from even Shake and Troy Brown at times. Like they have a group where their wing and perimeter defenders can do that. And it starts there in unlocking Rudy to be super special. And and that that's that's what I think the, the difference is. That's what makes them great. X and O's and O's. hundred percent. You get and you guys, you and Britt again covered it yesterday. It's like the ISO teams, this team tends to thrive mm-hmm. more against ISO teams because Right. Guys like Ant and Jaden are so good defending on ball and take a lot of pride in those kind of one-on-one matchups. Um, and when they know they have Rudy back there, as long as they just do a decent job of staying with their man, they know that Rudy's going to be there to help them mm-hmm. and kind of clean up the rest of the way. The, the, the other thing that I, I, I want to, I think is really good just watching this team on a night to night basis is their ability to close out. Um, uh, that's just something that I, I think I, yeah. I've come to appreciate about this team. When they close out, they are not just flying by um, and contesting, and the guy just has to reset and takes an open three. They are yeah. 
they are executing the hard closeouts where they close out hand in the face, but maintaining position in front, not allowing an open shot, but also not allowing the drive either. Like I think this team closes out at a, at a, at a very good to elite yeah. level. Um, and it's rare when you see a flyby contest that just delays somebody's shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when they did the fly around two years ago um, in the high wall, it felt like that was a lot of the con- the contests were just kind of flyby, mm-hmm. and that's why they allowed you know a decent number of open threes. Now I think they they make they make a concerted effort to do the hard closeouts to make sure that these guys are not getting open looks or open lanes to the. To, to drive to the basket and that's a hard that's a hard thing to do that, that requires a lot of effort requires a lot of focus and energy like it's easy it's it's easy defense to just be like all right i'm just gonna run out at this guy hand up and just w- fly by him and whatever hey, he does afterwards whatever i did my i did my job there but they're coming out they're putting the brakes on and getting the hand up um and they're they're doing it the hard way and it's i think that's one thing that if you watch this team on a, on a nightly basis um i think you, you'll come to appreciate is just how well they close out yeah no that that was i i had written down staying attached and helping the helper mm-hmm. um but it's 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 closeouts too so i would say like if we're looking defensively outside of rudy and rudy's part of the help the helper thing but like staying attached defensively can you help when help is needed and know that help is coming for your man. And when the time comes to X out, to, cr- to, to get out to the perimeter mm-hmm. and do so, can you contest under control? Yeah. Fly, like fly there, kind of understanding when am I flying here to just get the contest off? And when am I actually closing out when they're playing their best defense, they're, they're finding all three of those things. And they're finding that last one kind of in at the right, I guess, rate chris let's grab our first break here uh today's show is brought to you by prize picks um they already have an nfl slate up for uh this weekend pricepicks.com prize picks app promo code dane for 100 sign up bonus first i just want to ask you how do you feel about your 49ers uh you know green bay is a matchup. tricky tricky matchup i think it's going to be high scoring um okay. green bay's offense the last like two months of the season is like number two in all these advanced metrics only to San Francisco's mm-hmm. offense. So I think it's going to be a lot of points. So I would maybe pound the over on a lot of these things. So give me, give me one of these that you like the best Brock Purdy, 264 and a half passing yards uh-huh. more or less than that. Brandon Ayuk, 69 and a half receiving yards more or less than that. George Kittle, 52 and a half receiving yards more or less than that. Debo Samuel, 58 and a half receiving yards <laughs> more or less than that. And then Christian McCaffrey's rushing plus receiving yards, so total yards. I like McCaffrey. That's a high number, I, though, I, right? I, listen, uh, I read a thing today about how Green Bay is like the worst in the league at covering running backs catching mm. the ball. Interesting. So I and who else? Who's better to beat that yeah. than Christian McCaffrey? So I really like. I like the as high as that number may seem. I think I think that's probably a good bet to go one, so, over one twenty five on that. Would you say though? So his receiving yards number is thirty-two and a half, and his rushing yards number is eighty-eight and a half. Well, I'd probably go over on the receiving. Receiving yards. Okay, I, right, I'd right, probably right. go over on the receiving. Okay. I kind of, I kind of like the Ayuk number. I mean, yeah. he is their receiving yards leader, and and mm-hmm. hitting seventy in yeah. a game like this where Dallas does not have a or I'm just, Green, Green Bay does not yeah. have a good defense. I think that I think that's. I, I, I would feel pretty good about that one. Debo, you never know. Yeah, I was like, receiving stay away from that, run, yeah. like, like Debo may end up with like an 80 yard <laughs> touchdown in this game, but it could be on a jet sweep and it's rushing yeah. yards and not receiving. Mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk, you know, every time he touches the ball, it's going to be a catch. Right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'd probably go, yeah, over on the McCaffrey mm-hmm. receiving and maybe over on the Ayuk receiving yards. George yeah. Kittle's more hit or miss. Yeah. Like, you never know how heavily involved George Kittle right. is going to be. Mad at it. Three touchdowns yes, one week, yeah. one catch for four yards the next week. Hundred percent. But I, I just, I have a feeling they're going to be throwing to McCaffrey a lot. Okay. And Ayuk is has been their most consistent uh, pass catcher all season. So those okay. are my two recommendations there. So we'll say Ayuk more than sixty nine and a half receiving, uh, McCaffrey more than thirty two and a half receiving, and I don't know. I guess if somebody you want you want to get on that, and you want to add a third leg to it. You think there's going to be a lot of receiving guys? You might take Purdy over two sixty four and a half there. 
too. That's so. always that's always tricky. I mean, if San Francisco gets up in the second half and they're just running the ball at that point in the game, and they're like that that. Oh, so now you're predicting a blowout. <laughs> it's it's within the the range of outcomes, okay? Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. we're talking a range of outcomes here. I don't see Green Bay blowing the Niners out. Green Bay could win a close game, but okay. I think it, a Niners blowout is within the realm of possibility. Okay, so okay. Those, those are my range of outcomes for this game on Saturday. Well, we went directly to the source of 49ers <laughs> fandom for a, a Saturday slate. Oh yeah, how about that? Yeah. Packers Saturday. Niners at the same time as Wolves Thunder. I may, I may have scheduled that game off for myself to watch. <laughs> you skipping Wolves knew, Thunder? Because oh, I knew man. that it was wow. NFL playoff weekend. Okay. So I always listen, I there's there's no way I would be doing my best work anyway if I was like <laughs> covering the Wolves game while like the Niners. Were you playing. would not. You I would, would not. be so. I can vouch for that. You so would not do a good job. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So it's just better for all involved that I take yeah. that game off. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I will not be covering Saturday's game. Uh, we'll get a uh, Zagoda. Zagoda yep, back. Jerry, Jerry will be there on Saturday. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's uh, continue talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. Um, when we were both uh, on the road together uh, on the last road trip. I could tell you were kind of starting to work on this ant free throw story. You're asking Finch and some of the other coaches and, and players about what is a pretty like noticeable change in the Wolves offense uh, is Anthony Edwards getting to the basket more often and getting to the free throw line more often. Again, as we're talking about these small little areas, like we were with the offensive rebounding, what can they do a little bit more of to get 2% better on offense? And this actually would be driving the offensive rating up had the turnover thing not kind of simultaneously <laughs> kicked in at the same time. Yeah. But like we can, we're, we're smart enough to be able to compartmentalize some things and understand that like, hey, it is getting to the free throw line a lot more this season, particular or particularly um, of late, and that is having a positive impact. On, on the Wolves' offense, even if it isn't like globally being captured because some other things have gotten worse. Uh, I think this was a good story idea and and something to dig into, I guess, kind of give me like the, the genesis of the story idea, if it's anything more than uh, just noticing like, hey, that's Ted Pertos <laughs> again. Well, that, well, that's, uh, well what that's did you exactly, like? It's like, okay, so it's like, okay, Ann is getting to the free throw line more. We know that. Um so what I wanted to do was just try and say why or how is that happening? What is he mm -hmm. doing differently, if anything, that is getting him to the line more often? So I spoke to Chris Hines, the Wolves assistant coach, who has worked with Ant kind of as his player development coach uh, yep. for the last three seasons. Um, and, you know, they, they talked a lot of, in the offseason about making this happen, that their goal was like seven, eight free throws a game. They're, they're inching towards that. I think they're in the mid sixes, mm -hmm. um, you know, per game. After a slow start, yeah, where after it was like start. five or something. Yeah, I mean, there was a, and I put this in the story, there was a, a run there where he was getting to the line double digit times, like six or seven straight games, something like that. Um, so it's, it's all in how Ant is handling and reacting to contact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as Chris kind of put it to me, like in previous years, Ant was kind of, when he would go to the basket, kind of holding the ball kind of close. Mm -hmm. And that does not allow referees to kind of see the, the hacking on the arms. Sure. But the more he brings it out a little bit, the more you can kind of see the, the mm -hmm. hits on the arm. Yeah. So that's that's been one adjustment they've made is just bringing the ball out a little more as he's driving to the basket. Can I ask you a question sure, off yeah. of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think all of us who have been watching have seen a lot of like Ant getting into a crowd and the ball kind of, shooting out of there yeah. sort of which i would i'm noticing the arms extending some too and it clearly is leading to more foul calls as we're seeing the the numbers go up i would guess that like exposing the ball a little bit more it's is, is turnover or two again. yeah or yeah, even just sure. like the ball being slipped like or yeah. stripped like yeah. there was i get like it's hard to get hacked if Ant's keeping the ball close to his chest, but then it's a little bit more like running back style, you know, where right. you got it like tucked. Um, I don't know. Like what's the trade off there. I think it's 
given how high the free throw numbers have been. Yeah. Um, I think in the aggregate, it's a it's a good thing. Maybe in time, getting getting more comfortable used to it, he learns how to kind of protect it, even in that extension, a little bit more. Right. Um, but I think two things are happening from that. I, th- I, I think I think that's fair. Um, the, the other thing, and, and to your to your running back kind of mentality, the other thing that he's doing is it's it's how he reacts to contact, and that is the phrase that Chris Hines used was he's yeah. to submit to the contact mm-hmm. before, because he has a, a background of being a running back in youth football growing up. He he's trying to, you know, he would take the contact and try to fight through it. And as we know from covering Carl all these years, um, when you try to fight through the contact a lot, you're not going to get the calls as much as you try to fight through it. Cause it looks like you're not being disadvantaged in your ability to score, particularly so, when you're the bigger one, right? Like, when you're the guy, right? And, and is Carl is that like right. I, I think Carl gets less calls or like quote unquote a bad whistle, um, in part because he's six eleven driving on a six seven dude, you know? Correct, right? And so, so you don't look, so you, it doesn't look yeah. like they're impeding your progress to the basket. And Ant doesn't really look like it too because he's not huge like in height or anything but he's forceful you know and there's a psychological element to that i think as a as a ref so it's not to say that ant is like flopping more or like exaggerating Mm -hmm. the the contact but maybe he is a little bit watching it on a night to night basis you're not going to say ant flops Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe he is just trying to draw more attention the contact we obviously know he does so audibly with the hay um <laughs> every night um but i think in his motions he's trying to do that a little bit more trying to get out of that football player mentality a little bit um and you know maybe maybe also just overall him getting more calls um if, if this is going to be happening maybe it just encourages him then more to want to drive to the basket, which is what he does best and mm-hmm. what this offense needs. True. So, And that's not always an easy thing to do. It's mentally draining throughout the course of a game mm-hmm. and physically draining. Like it's, it's a hard thing to do. Um, but if this encourages him more, if he's getting better results in terms of getting to the free throw line, um, maybe it does encourage him more to, to keep wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, it being kind of a fruitless endeavor if he goes in there, gets hacked and doesn't get a whistle. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's proving to be fruitful. Yeah. Uh, like, and it's interesting. It's like, yeah, I, I don't think of Ant like as super floppy. Um, no. I do think of Ant as a complainer. Yes. So to, 100%. To, that, to that end, he's like more Luca and less Embiid, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. Both of those could be like a tough watch uh, <laughs> at times, but it, it, it does like it comes with the territory of yeah. like these star players. It is this big advantage to be able to get in the lane and draw that, that contact there. And I think it's, it's, it's as long as the game is called this way, it's like a necessary thing for the wolves to be emphasizing. And that, that's the, that's the real achievement of this thus far, right? Is this was a clear, Point of emphasis that Finch, Ant, whoever told us back on media day in yeah. September was like, Ant's free throws need to go up. Ant said, my free throws need to go up. He said it numerous times. It's taken some time, but I think a reasonable amount of time, you know, the first 25 games or so for him to kind of understand and learn how and where he can best get those. And I think as we mentioned the turnovers and stuff like that, I think there's some things that can be trimmed kind of shaved down, right? Like that make this an even more and more profitable endeavor because while he's neither as floppy as Embiid or as whiny as Doncic, he's not getting as much of a boost for free throw generation as as both of those guys are. So it's a it's an interesting thing to track. I mean, I've I've been saying all year I don't anticipate this team to stay where they are defensively. Or sorry, offensively. Yeah. Offensively. And I I think it's going to go up. And and it's going to go up based on how many of these things that they hit, right? And one of them is free throw generation, specifically from Ant. And can you stack that 
on top of maybe getting some more offensive rebounds on top of turning the ball over a little bit less. Like even when the wolves have, if it's February or something, and we're like, well, wolves are number three in offense this month. We are going to be able to point to these things yeah. happening and making a difference. And to that end, I think this is a, that it's starting to come together. Even if it's being shaded over by the turnovers right now, like the breadcrumbs are the breadcrumbs that have been laid down in December and early January that like ain't getting the line is coming. Yeah, this is this is all kind of part of that process, right? It's mm-hmm. if you're changing your style, if you're you know trying to uh, tweak your game a little bit, there's going to be a, a few bumps in the road, and maybe that's what the turnovers are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's he gets you know lost a little bit in there when he's trying to pass out of it. Sometimes, so that's that's a big part of the turnovers too. Sure. How many times we see him go into a crowd, pass out of it, especially that opposite corner pass that just yeah. sometimes sails over the guy's head mm-hmm. out of bounds. Feels like you can you can put him down for one or two of those per game. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this is all part of the process, um, yeah. and it's it's all about you know figuring it out with the refs, mm-hmm. figuring it out, you know. But it, but new, like it's just like yeah, a time right. thing. It, it's like yeah, right. Figuring this stuff out takes time. It, I don't right. think and either it takes of us reps are and it takes him. games. Yeah. Right? No, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's well intentioned with this. Like yeah. this is, you know, this is this is, you know, as as the wolves will say, this is his superpower on on offense. Yeah. Right. You know, Ant has always kind of prided himself on being a, a very good all around offensive player, and I feel like he gets insulted when you just say to him that he's just great at going to the basket, but not a great shooter. He, he gets kind of ticked off by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, as good of a shooter as he's become, this is what he does best. The superpower. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. you're right. It's... And this is how this offense is going to operate at its peak powers, whether it's him getting fouled, mm-hmm. whether it's him taking it to the basket, drawing a crowd and kicking out to somebody who's open. Um, you know this. This is where their offense does the best. Now it's it's more than just like as we've note as we've noticed this offense can't just be Ant is dribbling at the perimeter, gets, goes off a screen, takes it to the hole. Like there's got to be ball ball movement. There's got to be rhythm because the more you can get Ant going downhill, you know in the in the flow of the offense, the better it is for the offense as opposed to him just trying to sure. generate this on his own which is, you know, what I feel like happens a lot. Um, but the more you can kind of swing, swing, pass, and then Ant's getting it on the wing and somebody's coming over, but they're not in position and he can just dri- dribble right by them and all of a sudden he's in the lane, mm-hmm. one dribble. Like that to me is where this offense really starts humming. Yeah, that's his finishing um, move, that, right? Right, like, right. Like if that's his overall his superpower, <laughs> that's the finishing move is – Against the shifted defense, one-on-one situation, I'm scoring. Yeah, yeah. and or you're following me on on my way to mm-hmm. to get scored. Um, speaking of free throws, is kind of weird transition, but me and Britt didn't talk about Rudy and the free throws uh, like at all yesterday uh, after the Clippers game, which that was a part of the story uh, of that game. Obviously, Rudy started off really poorly from the free throw line uh, and didn't make. Um, the critical ones at the end, but we've seen games like this where it's like, okay, you look over at the monitor and it's like one for five from the mm-hmm. line for Gobert. It's not consistent. This isn't like an every game sort of thing, which leads me to like ask the question to like, how much of a deal even is this? You know, that was one of the first games where we've seen a team do the hack a Rudy thing where they're just following him and putting him to the line to, to take two free throws Um you know, just to to kind of kill the offense's rhythm right. and also to believe that he's not going to consistently be making them. I haven't really, like, internalized this as, like, a huge issue or, you know, fear comes It hasn't cost him yet. It hasn't yeah, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're at that point, right? We, yeah. we're, we're not freaking out about this yet, are we? No, we're not because he still hits them at a decent enough rate it's like 63% to, to, right, to prevent this from being a real problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder about the playoffs, especially maybe in a road atmosphere. Yeah. Um, if that's a little different, like I think one of the things that really helped 
on Sunday night. And you could say that this doesn't matter, but the crowd really getting behind him, his teammates like Ant, you know, cheering him on, um, you know, during some of those free throws, right? Like, I feel like that's a, that's a big psychological boost for somebody in that moment where the crowd, you know, maybe, maybe last year, if this is last year's team, Not maybe. that that crowd has a lot more nervous energy yeah. in that moment. Right. <laughs> and it's like, Oh boy, how is this yeah. going to go? But this year, the, the crowd, because of how well they played, right. is 100% behind them and, and cheering them on, encouraging them. His mm-hmm. teammates are reacting the same way where they're not, like, wondering the same thing where it's like, oh, boy, how's this going to go? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's – at home, there's a, there's a good there's a good mojo around sure. around those kind of moments. And in a road playoff setting, I do, I do wonder – we'll see. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I honestly I think it depends on a night to night basis. Like if Rudy starts off a road playoff game and he's five of six at the line, yeah, then know, he's a, fine. A, te- a team is not going to do hack. I think mm-hmm. the Clippers just pulled it out because he had missed so many early in the game. Mm-hmm. And I I really think that's a night to night thing with him. It's not automatic that a team is just going to resort to this in the last five minutes. Um, it really depends on how he's doing that particular night. Um, and he has shown Throughout the course of the season, this is never – I can't recall a game where – a close game where this has cost them. Yeah. So, no, you know, so. To, to his credit, he's he's come up big in the in the, in the biggest moments. Um, and even when they did the hack, Rudy, like they got – he hit the four late. They did it earlier too. Um, well, they did hit, it before he, the three-minute mark. Yeah, before he it did becomes it an intentional before it becomes thing. a thing. He hit one of two each time. He hit, yep, that's yeah, what I was so, so they weren't, so, complete, so here's they weren't a, complete blanks on the possessions. Yeah. And and here's the thing. We were talking about this earlier. What is the average offense in a half-court situation? Not one transition. Point possession. One point per possession. So yeah. what is that? That's one of two at the free throw line. Right. Like So even when a team follows Rudy in a hack-a-Rudy situation and, and he makes ahead. one of two of them, that – becomes an average offensive possession right you know and and now other things go against that you do that three four possessions in a row like does ant lose his rhythm do you like there's some like psychological factor to that but strictly math like if rudy Rudy's a 63 percent free throw shooter so the expected value of rudy going to the free throw line is 1.26 points per possession that would be the number one offensive rating in the league that's better than what the pacers do and that's certainly a lot better than the one point per possession bar of typical half court offense. Right. So I don't think Rudy is in the danger zone of that being a problem. You know, I he don't. needs he he like it would need to be like 53% for me to be like, okay, like maybe we need to pull him in these situations because yeah, it's still like one point per possession, but now we're losing all the rhythm there. I think the like expected value of Rudy going to the free throw line, even in the fourth quarter when maybe he's going to miss some more of them because of pressure or something. It's still just like a push to me. I I just, I can't get to the point of being like, this is going to be a reason why he's off the floor in the playoffs. Or if tomorrow night in Detroit, they start doing like, I think you just kind of can ride it out. Maybe you, and then what they did is like, they kind of wrote it out and then they had Carl come, like Carl came in at like the four minute mark. Yeah, there was, there was a the little there was mark. a little gap where Rudy was off the floor, and, and that was so, part of the yeah, that, yeah, that was strategic yeah. to some extent. Sure. But you were also yeah. gonna pull Rudy at some point, probably to like get a breather before crunch time. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I guess like that's why I skipped over it yesterday, mm-hmm. um, because I'm not at the point of thinking it's a, a real real issue. Uh, but it was it was a it was a story from that game last night, and it's something for us to, you know, keep in mind because if there is another game where it happens, or in that game he would have gone all over four, rather than one for two and one for two, yeah, it's it almost it almost changes the game there. But that's the best thing he he's he's consistent enough mm-hmm. in hitting these that it, it's avoiding becoming a problem. And listen, with the Wolves' late game offense and some of their games of late, getting one point on a possession is yeah. Hell of a lot better than they've point. done than That's they've done recently, point. where they come mm-hmm. up with with empty possessions or turnovers. For sure, it's it's crunch time. Yeah, offense which does yeah. bog down and does mm-hmm. the scoring goes down in those. If, times. if, I, if I'm the Wolves, point. I'm welcoming the chance for Rudy, <laughs> for Rudy to get one of two free throws. I, I'm kind of. And, 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 and they'll take too. their chances getting a stop at the other end. 
And then you've you've won those two possessions one to nothing, you know, and killed however many seconds off the clock. Um, so and I, I I don't yeah I don't see it as a problem. I, we'll see in the playoffs. That different different set of circumstances, different energy, different environment. We're, we're aligned on, the road. on that. Yeah. right. Yes, yeah, so, but I think in the regular season, I I just don't see it becoming a real issue. Today's show is brought to you by Doer. That's D-U-E-R. And why I like to wear Doer is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Doer jeans. Doer denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Doer jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured... I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Doer also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Doer values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Doer jeans today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. All one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Dane Moore for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code Dane Moore, all one word, for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And HelloFresh is the meal kit I actually use to get fresh pre-portioned ingredients sent right to my door. Obviously, the holiday season is hectic. Just more things that you have to do, places you need to be, and thus less time you have to go pick out groceries at the grocery store to make a home-cooked meal. Have you been to the grocery store this month? It is a nightmare in there. But here's the thing. I know for me, life isn't going to just slow back down once the holidays have passed. So I'm going to keep using HelloFresh once the holidays are done because it helps the structure of my day, the structure of my week. I like that I don't buy takeout as often when we're making HelloFresh. And because of that, I'm saving money too. If you get HelloFresh this month, you can actually save money with fresh recipes delivered rather than takeout coming to your door and you're gonna get the right amount of food that fits you with pre-portioned meals so you're not throwing away loads of excess takeout that has been sitting in your fridge for a week go to hellofresh.com slash dane more free and use code dane more free for free breakfast for life one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash dane more free with code dane more free That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chris, let's uh, move to the schedule ahead um, I'm glad we don't need to talk about the 16 game <laughs> hell march or death march or whatever you called yeah. it anymore. Hell um, march, hell march. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This, it's it, that it's done, man. I mean, this, this schedule done. ahead is easy. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> like, so I, I was just going. This is just next five, right? Um, right. It's it's Detroit uh, tomorrow night. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. be there. Detroit is three and thirty-six this season. They're 28th on offense, 29th on defense. Memphis, the next game, uh, they are 15 in 25, 29th on offense, 13th on defense. And now they're without Desmond Bain. In addition to, you know, no John Morant and just a bunch of, I mean, Marcus Smart is hurt. Obviously, Steven Adams is out for the season. Brandon Clark has been out. I mean, a decimated uh, Memphis team. So 15 and 25 and 29th on offense and 13th on defense, probably even overrates. Uh, what they are right. and in the middle of this is the outlier it's the it's the big one it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the wolves at home against oklahoma city they're one and one against them this year uh a kind of convincing win and a kind of convincing loss uh in the the other direction that's a big game oklahoma city's 27 and 12 they actually have a better point differential than the wolves they're right on their heels uh, I do. I think Oklahoma City's on the tail end of a road trip there, so the Wolves okay. might get them on a good night. I, they won't be a back to back, but I think, I think I think it's the end of a four game road trip for them. That's currently in Los Angeles, so mm. uh, I think they'll be so kind of like they'll, the they'll, Orlando be, they'll, be, log- they'll be logging a few miles on this okay. trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they are fourth on offense and fourth on defense. Uh, the the last two are the Hornets and the Wizards. The Hornets are eight and twenty nine. 26th on offense, 28th on defense, and the Wizards are 7 and 32, 25th on offense, and 30th on defense. So that means in the next five games, the Wolves play the three worst defensive teams in the league. <laughs> and they also play the 25th, 26th, 28th, and 29th offense in the league this season. Outside of the Oklahoma City thing, you can't set up an easier four here, which I, some people are like, all right, I've already turned the podcast off. Like, okay, you jinxed it. Um, <laughs> but like we were doing the other side of it before we're like, this is really difficult stretch coming up. This is, this is yeah, an easy yeah. one. I will say this, Chris, and this is what I really want to ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm not too, I'm not too scared about it anymore, man. I'm really like the, the Portland Detroit shit from last year. Like it does. I feel you, like it's you, over. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not to say it can't happen. And like, you know, didn't Boston lose to Charlotte earlier this season or something like that? Or went into overtime against Detroit? Like, it can happen. They should. You should prepare yourselves for a night where things go haywire against sure. a bad team. Like, mm-hmm. it probably will happen at some point. At um, some point, if you run, like, because the, the schedule is easy after these five games, right. too. One of them, right. yeah, they're probably going to hit a snare and something, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we were doing this last year, we were looking ahead and we are like, oh, Detroit, we're like – they Houston, whatever, they don't come ready for that. Right. I don't have that anymore. I I, I don't Correct. I, I, I think we can I think we can move on from that. And they've earned that. I, I really do. And I think so much of that is the stability that you know Rudy Gobert provides. You know, Ant and Carl do obviously a ton for this team too. I'm not even like I don't even know how I'd 
rank them impact wise on this team this year. But the Rudy element in this group with the defenders, level of defenders we were talking about before, there's just a stability that I feel more comfortable with in this team that doesn't lead me to fear or assume that some sort of letdown is going to happen against the Hornets on Monday night at home. Like I, I, it could happen. It just, it just, I don't know. I don't think it should be the assumption at all. It's, it's, it shouldn't be. And they, they've shown that time and time again, you look at all their losses this year and outside of, the the two early in the season to Toronto and Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of get getting their legs under them for the season. I don't know that there's a game on the schedule where you can point to it and be like that going into the night, mm-hmm. that should have been a win or like yeah. we lost to an inferior team or something like yeah. that. Right. It's like yeah, the closest thing we can do is like, okay, like we played this team without their star players and you only beat them by Three, like the New Orleans, one of the New Orleans games. Comes yeah, around. yeah. Or we can't rip on that. They won, the they won the game. Yeah. Like, um, or the the Dallas game where Luca and Kyrie didn't play at home, and yeah, too they, close. They, they, it was like a weird game, but they still won. Yeah. Um, so, and I and I kind of tweeted this out. Um, this was before the Clippers game and after the Portland game. So you say the Portland game I say, was know, Portland's one of yeah. these teams, and that was yeah. the least competitive basketball game I've. Seen in years <laughs> the Minnesota like yeah, it was it was it was basically like a preseason game. Yeah, uh, was essentially what that was. Um, but I, you know, after that, after that game, I I was just kind of looking at the schedule, and it's like, okay, they have three against Portland, two against Detroit, two against Washington, two against the Spurs, two Rack against Memphis, up. and Rack one against up. Charlotte. That's twelve <laughs> games against the bottom six teams. And we love to talk about the bottom six teams of the league last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So now this year, you know, this was, again, this was before the Clippers game. You know, over a quarter of their remaining games of the schedule are against the bottom six teams in the league. If you go, and I then tweeted this, if you go nine and three against those in those games, and there's every reason to think they could go you know, and 10 and two, yeah. 11 and one, yeah. 12 and 0 even. But if you just set a realistic benchmark of nine and three, and then you go 500 the rest of the way, you're at 52 and 30. And Denver got the one seed at 53 and 29 last year. So, you know, it's <laughs> the roadmap is there for the yeah, one seed. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, like it's there. You play, you play 500, but, and they've got one in the win column against, on, the, on the rest of the schedule portion the other night against the Clippers. So now you just have to go 11 and. You, now you just have to go one game under 500 the rest of the way against the better competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so nine and three plus one game under 500 against the rest, the rest of the way. And you're at 52 wins for the season and you're in, you're in there for the one seed mm-hmm. do better. And you probably have the one seed yeah. locked up. I'm guessing. I don't, I don't and know. Maybe, like maybe the one seed will be a little higher than 52 this year. Maybe it's more like 55, Cause... 56 because yeah. Oklahoma city and Denver are not going away. Yeah. Um, you know, it might be in Denver kind of struggled down the stretch last year in the regular yeah. season. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the roadmap to the mid fifties mm-hmm. to potentially high fifties, if you can really yeah. go on a good run is, is there like right. it, it is, it is there. The one seed is very doable that they, I like acquitted, that. They acquitted themselves well enough during that 16 game stretch. Yes. You would have liked to have had that Boston game. Um, and one or two others, the New York game, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you would have liked to have had those and those were, there were some winnable games in there, but they did come out of it nine and seven. They stayed atop the West during that stretch. And now it really is kind of set up for them to, to be the top seed. If they can just play like they have for most of the season, It's, it's there, it's there for the taking. I like roadmap to the one seed. I might title this episode that. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I, I do think, like, when I was looking at that, I'm like, okay, so like, or the next five are going to kind of be like that Portland game. Like, yeah, 
What? 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 That's a good thing. That's a good thing for this team. No, 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 no. Boring is a good thing. To be clear, remember remember Carl said winning is boring or something like that. Yes, yes, no, people are not like that. This is, this is, this is what, what they mean. You're totally right. Great pushback, Ed, because somebody else would have said it to me. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I just meant like selfishly how I'm like looking at it of like okay, like you know, in, in all seriousness, like we were really looking at that 16 game time of like a learning lesson. Or, you know, like, I, that's why I said, that's why I did the end of the the end of the 16, that road trip, because I was like, I think I'm going to learn some things about this team at the end of a really difficult stretch on the season. So I'm trying to, like, do that for this next, like, pocket of time until the trade deadline. And what I was thinking about, I wouldn't be shocked if a player that plays for Detroit, Memphis, Charlotte, or Washington is on the Timberwolves in a month. That would mm-hmm. not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I... I would probably bet that one of them, it, like that's the team. I think those are going to be the sellers, man. Like, sure, sure. Or 100%. the majority of them, four of the six or eight, if some other teams are. I think you know, particularly with like Washington, like they're open for business. They're in like stage zero of like the Thunder stuff from like right. five, six years ago. If you want to go get somebody and you pay market price, you can go get them. You know, is that. And it's some people and some people are gonna be like, okay, Tyus Jones. But I would even say, like, look at some of the guys who like come off the bench, like a Alec Burks from Detroit. If you're, you know, if the, for the real Wolves sickos who are gonna be mm-hmm. like watching the second half of Wolves Wizards when the Wolves are up by like 20. I, I'm like, I will honestly, or if I'm gonna watch any of these teams' games before, like I think that's a that's an interesting thing to do because we've done the thing, right? Where it's like, what does this team need most? Backup point guard, movement shooter, bucket getter. Well, like we, you and I can have that conversation and have our opinions on it, but it also kind of matters. Is like who is that backup point guard? Yeah, you know who is that movement shooter? What what are the you know what are those players? So honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't watched a lot of Detroit, Memphis, Charlotte, or Washington in the past <laughs> month. Good, but uh, I, I'm going to. I have on my to do list today. Not, Washington and played. Washington Ooh. and Detroit played last night. I'm going to watch the game. You, and, you, and, you, you're talking about other people being sickos. Oh, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with it. It is. It is. I I always – what I've noticed since doing this job, and the Wolves have acquired a lot of players, right, since we've been covered this team, I, it, I always think I have an idea of what a player is before they get to Minnesota. And then – I learn, you know, even just like that, we do that like month long sprint after the trade deadline of like trying to understand who Mike Conley is and what his game is. I mean, Mike Conley, dude, who amongst us would have thought Mike Conley could have been anything like what he was for this team? Because <laughs> we hadn't, we didn't get it, you know? Right, like, right. I, I remember even like Jeff Teague, I remember that back and then I'm like, I think I feel like I know what Jeff Teague's game is. And I'm like, you know, you watch a play for a month and you don't. So I don't know. I, I find that stuff sort of fun. The And I haven't done a lot of trade stuff or looked around. I think that's one small way to make a weaker, weaker, yeah, weaker spot yeah. in the in the schedule uh, a, a little mm-hmm. bit more interesting. But, uh, yeah, we will we will see what this team does. I don't know if it was the death march. What is this? Um, this is the soft January. landing. This is the soft, <laughs> the soft landing. Okay. The soft landing. Yeah. All from, right. that, from that hell march. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That, and, and well-deserved, you know, yeah. a, a well-deserved given how they, they played in that, uh, that time. Uh, all right, Chris, uh, what, what do you got? What are we working on this week? Um, we're covering games, hopefully trying to pick away at some features. We'll see if I can, you know, get some stuff together, get what I needed on, get what I need on them. And hopefully uh, in coming weeks and months, we'll have some good stuff for you, especially yeah. as we ramp up for the, for the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. Trade line playoffs, all months. that stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a little all, bit more coming. drilling down uh, stuff here too. Um, well, enjoy the game in Detroit. Yep. You'll be back. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be back on Thursday for the. I will be there Thursday. I'm covering Thursday's yep. game. Yep. yep. Sweet. Um, well, I will see you there. You guys do check out that uh, the, the Anthony Edwards article that we were referencing. That's up on that was in the Sunday paper, obviously still up on Star Tribune. Uh, you can find that on Chris's Twitter. I scrolled down about seven, eight tweets and found it uh, this morning to to read it. So so check that out. I thought that was interesting. The good sort of perspective of being 
on the beat and having the opportunity to ask a bunch of different players about a and people on the team about a trend is is some of the best work Chris and the other uh, beat guys do. So do check that out. Star Tribune, uh, StarTribune.com. Uh, I will be back after the Detroit game uh, late, Kyle, because it's a little bit earlier of a game. Kyle and I are going to go live right after that uh, Detroit game. And that will be the next episode up in your feed. Until then, he's Chris. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Prime. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Till then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops. Yeah. Green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com